When I was finishing up my freshman year at Baylor University, I had the opportunity to go on a missions trip. Our church was going on a missions trip to Jamaica. How many know immediately that's the Lord when it's Jamaica? My plans were getting all set to go to Jamaica because it was a no-brainer. And therefore, because it's Jamaica, it must be God. And then on spring break, a conference took place in Fort Worth, Texas that I attended, but attended as a volunteer. I want to stop for a moment and and say this to you, because I get asked this question many times. People will ask me this. They said, how do I find what, what my calling is? How do I find what my destiny is? How do I find what my life calling is? I want you to listen to this. Those that are watching online, those that are in person, listen carefully to this. There's no better place to know what God wants you to do than to be in the position of serving. Serving positions you to know what next steps are. You will never learn it just sitting in a seat, but when you serve people, God makes things clearer. I was the airport driver. Thank you, choir. I heard those claps back there. I was the air, and I may end up preaching more to you than to them because they're already excited. Um, I was the airport driver. That's it, folks. I was the one who was picking up people that were coming in for this, and it was a youth conference. It wasn't large. I was on my spring break from college, And instead of just kind of going to uh, home and just resting, I felt like I was supposed to serve. And that that moment opened up a destiny that that absolutely changed my life. Because there, as you're serving, as I said, God opens it up. Let Let me explain it to you biblically. How do you preach the second longest sermon in the New Testament, become the first martyr? Stephen, he starts off by serving tables, serving widows serving widows, and in the position of serving, God opens up that saying, this is going to be your legacy. You will preach the second longest sermon in the Bible next to the Sermon on the Mount, and you will be, your blood will be the first martyr of the church in Acts chapter 7, all starting from serving widows that had a food crisis. That's where it starts from. It's the serving part that opens it up. Not that Fort Worth conference. I met a man who told me where to go. David Wilkerson, the founder of this church, was preaching on a Thursday night, and that Thursday night was a life-changing experience, not because of his message, but literally because he said, my son Gary is going to start a church in Detroit, Michigan. I want you to go with my son to Detroit. Now, folks, I'm in a quandary. I have Jamaica and Detroit. Jamaica, Detroit. That's what I felt. That's what was going on in my heart. I was going, because I'm thinking through this. I'm going, God, why is there even a fight? Jamaica, it's it's serving Jesus on the beach and and telling people about Jesus in the same, Detroit, seriously? And I'm telling you, that battle, God said no to Jamaica. I knew he said no. I just didn't accept it. And he said yes to Detroit. And then God, as I got to a two-month commitment to Detroit, then God said no to going back to Waco, Texas, to Baylor University. What I thought was going to be two months ended up being almost 30 years of my life. And if I didn't hear, if I didn't hear that no to Jamaica, that no 
to going back to university, there is no question in my mind, you wouldn't be listening to me today. There's no question in my mind that listening, that those two no's from the Lord changed my life. Let me say that again. Heeding God's no's changed my, my, my course. Just listening. No to Jamaica, no to Baylor, and God changed my course. And today, I'm believing that God is going to speak to you. Whether you're, whether you're on here at 51st and Broadway or whether you're watching from the Philippines, South Sudan, or Ireland, I believe that God is going to speak to you. Let me show you another course-changing no in the book of Acts. And it's such a, power of, a powerful effect that I have to say this. I don't think this is hyperbole. If, if this if this servant of God, if the apostle Paul doesn't heed these two no's, not hyperbole, this church may not exist today. The church that went, and I'll show that to you in the scriptures. The apostle Paul in Acts 16 heard no three times, obeyed, and the world changed. He obeyed, and the world changed. Now, let me just give you a side note here for a second. You will hear me say a lot, and it's important for me to tell you, I say the Apostle Paul a lot. I don't say Paul, because one, I don't assume everybody knows who I'm talking about. I was at a church where one of the pastors just kept saying Paul, and Paul said this, and Paul said this, and one of, and one of our unchurched people came up and said, I don't know who this guy Paul is, but he says a lot of good things, and we should invite him here to preach. That's what they said. So when you hear me say the Apostle Paul, I'm talking about the writer of the New Testament. I want you to get a piece of paper out, and I want to talk to you today about what I call bad mass. Bad mass. I'm going to give you an equation at the end of this that I'm going to show you what bad math is. That coming, I don't want you to come up with the wrong conclusions because you're going to have to hear the no's to come up with the right conclusions. So let me read to you this passage of scripture that literally tells me that we're all here because of this. Acts 16, and the apostle Paul is now on his second missionary journey. Here it comes. They passed through the Phrygian and the Galatian region, having been, here comes one of the first no's, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after that, they came to Mycenae, and they were going to go into Bithynia, and the spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mycenae, they came to Troas. And then, after hearing two no's, the Bible says in verse 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia said, said this, come over to help, oh, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. So just keep in mind, Paul heard no to the Galatian region. Paul heard no to Bithynia, all of this in, the, in Asia. And there, and there will be one more no at the end, which will, will sum everything up, which will show you bad math in just a moment here. Verse 11, so putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace and on the day following to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we were staying in this city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gates to a riverside where we were supposing that there'd be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. Verse 14, a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, 
a worshiper of God, was listening, and the Lord opened up her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her whole household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Let me just pause for a second. If Paul doesn't respond to the no's, he never talks to Lydia. He never has a chance. He's not there. So you have to understand that. And, and keep this in mind. None of this takes place if Paul doesn't heed when God says no, these first, these first two no's. Let's go to verse 16. And then it happened, they were going to the place of prayer that a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling. I'm gonna hit on this um, in the middle of the message. Following after Paul, and she kept crying out saying, these men are bondservants of the most high God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Keep that on the screen for a second. Go back to that. Isn't this amazing that a demoniac is saying right things about these men? Think about that just for a moment. Look what she says. These men are bondservants of the Most High God. That's true. Who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. That's true. Isn't it amazing? You can say right things out of a wrong vessel. That the person not be right and all of a sudden the words, the words are coming out and it seems to be right. That's why if ever more than ever, we need discernment today more than ever. So let's continue on. Then it says this in verse 18. She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. And when her masters saw that their profit, that, that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews and proclaiming customs which is not lawful for us to accept or observe being Romans. This is going to unfold in a second, uh, Times Square. The crowd rose up together against them. and The chief magistrates tore their robes off and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them not just into prison, but into the inner prison and fastened these men that have been preaching the gospel, delivered this young lady from a demonic force, these men are thrown into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks for literally leading this girl to freedom. Acts 16.25, but about midnight while they're there, you know this part, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there came a great earthquake that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. Immediately, all the doors were open and everyone's chains, hallelujah, unfastened. Leave that on the screen for a second. Let me just, let, just look at that for a second. Just look at that for a moment. If, you, if you're a preacher, if you're a leader, there's a three-point message right there. Foundations shaken, doors open, chains unfastened. Look at that again foundations shaken, look at it, doors open, and all of a sudden chains were broken off at that moment. Something powerful happened that night at midnight. If the Apostle Paul goes to his Jamaica, which is Asia, you may not be here today. It started with this man heeding three no's that God said no, no, you saw the first two. We'll get to the third one, which I think is going to be imperative for us today. 
as we talk about bad math. Jot this down, three thoughts today that I feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to me on a prayer walk yesterday. I want to write, I want you to get these down. Number one, God is a father and fathers say no to their children. God is a father and fathers say no to their children. This is important. Hearing no is a test. It really, it is a test of trust. Let me say that again. Hearing no is a test, but it's a test of trust. Is that can you trust the no from the authority that they may know better? We, we go through this even as a parent. I remember I'm, I'm looking over at my precious girls that are sitting over to my left. And I remember when my youngest, we, we got into it over a breakfast when she was so little. She was demanding cookies and brownies for breakfast. And I just, and I, I'm going, no, no, you can't do that. You're already talkative. If I give you more, it'll be out of control. I'm saving the teachers. I'm saving dental bills. I'm saving your teeth. So she, she just wept. But I knew that my no was right. Why? Because I knew what was better for her. But what happens when God is the one that says no? When God steps in, what makes it hard though is not just a no from God. Don't miss this now. What makes it even harder is when, when, when God says no, here it comes, to a good thing. Listen to this. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? Look at verse 6. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to do what? To speak the word and preach in Asia. Folks, God says no to preaching in Asia at this time. Don't you think speaking the word should have been an automatic yes? I would have thought that. I would have thought no need to hear from the Lord on this. Because God is beginning, he wants me to speak this word, not be ashamed of this gospel. Jamaica, for me, was a missions trip. So it should have been, but, but God said no to a good thing, to a missions trip. Why? God is a father, and fathers will sometimes say no to their children. If Paul doesn't take this no seriously, he never sees a vision of a man to Macedonia. I want you to think about that. If Paul doesn't heed the no, then he never sees the vision. The vision was given by obeying the no from God the Father. This is so important for us to get. Think about this. He has to, he has to obey two no's to get a vision. And sometimes you're going, God, give us a vision. But let me just ask you this. How many visions have not been seen because we didn't obey God's clear word? How many times have we missed Jesus because we wouldn't obey what he specifically says? We want to see Jesus show up. And this is what I think, that the prerequisite to seeing God show up is obeying God when he speaks to us. This is, this is so important. That's why understanding and reading the word is so, is, so, is so important for our lives. And here's what's important. When God does say no, get this down. When God does say no, no is not rejection, but it is protection. No is not rejection, but it's protection. He's protecting us. Let me say it to you like this. 
remember this. Satan, the devil, always says yes. Always says yes. Do I have to come to church? Do I have to go? Do I have to come here to church to be to 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 be with all these people? Do I have to come into this place and and do all this stuff? That's that's where you have to hear God begin to step in and say, "You've got to be here because so you can hear the clear word." And we're not the only place, but it's where God begins then to speak to us, so we can understand that when Satan is always saying yes to us, we're understanding that what God is saying no to. Let me explain it to you like this. Think about this. Do you know that the word Ouija board? is made up of two words, a French word and a German word, that both mean yes. Think about it. That every time, can I, can I date this non-Christian? Yes! Can I skip church? Yes! It's, it's, that's what the enemy does. And here's the part I would say to you. I may get pushback on this, but I'm going to say this to you. If you've never heard no from God, and I think sometimes your relationship may be in question. How many are with me and have heard no from God? Can I just ask you this? How many have ever heard a tough no from God? I'm there. Because when you're walking in relationship with God, you will hear that because he is a father. Number two, jot this down. When God does say no, it means that he has something better for you. When God says no, it means he has something better. God says no because he knows. Folks, God says no because God knows. He knows what's ahead. He knows what's in front of us. And he's, God is not simply exercising parental power, but giving divine protection over our future. That's what he's doing. He's not exercising parental power it's simply, but he's giving divine protection over our future. What was bigger and better than preaching the word in Asia? God was thinking larger than what Paul was thinking about just for Bithynia and the Galatian region. God had a global strategy for the early church. Let me give you the global strategy that God had for the church. Here it comes, Acts 1.8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, here it comes, to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Those two, those two words go together because it's a region. And to the end of the earth. Now understand something. Jerusalem was covered on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2. That he would be my witnesses in Jerusalem. So when the Holy Spirit descended in that upper room, they became witnesses. Peter preached in the very place that he failed God. Isn't that amazing? That the very place that Peter denied Jesus three times, God goes, now you, I'm choosing you to stand in the same city and the same place that took you down, but now you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. So instead of taking you down, you're going to stand with a boldness and a courage that you've never known before. And so I'll put you right back in the city that people think you can't go back there. Let me just tell you something. That's why I love the New Testament, that every single time that it says, Here's Paul um, for all the Christians that are in Ephesus or in Colossae or in Philippi. You know what I love about the word of God? It always says this, for those that are in Colossae and in Christ. 
Because in Christ is always stronger than where you are geographically. Where you are spiritually overcomes where you are geographically. Can I be a Christian in the Bronx? Yes, if you're in Christ. Can I be a Christian in Staten Island? Yes, if you're in Christ. Can I be a Christian in Ireland or in the UK? Can I be a Christian in Zimbabwe or South Sudan? Yes, if you are in Christ. Because where you are spiritually will give you the power, no matter where God puts you geographically, God will be with you. So Jerusalem is covered. Then Acts 8 was going to be Judea and Samaria. And God was going to use, you'll see it, persecution. Look at it with me. The Bible says in Acts 8, 1 through 4, it says, And on that day a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. So the, the gospel is already preached there. This is, this is God getting a strategy ready. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of, what does it say? Judea and Samaria. Except the apostles. They stayed in Jerusalem. And look what happened. Therefore, those who had been scattered, what did they do? went about preaching the word of God. Isn't that amazing that the enemy raised up persecution and God goes, that is a great way to expand my church. What God, what Satan meant for evil, God goes, I'm going to use that as a mechanism and a tool to do what I want to do. The enemy thinks that persecution will stop God's church, but I have to tell you this, Persecution was and still is God's plan for even expanding his church. And folks, make no mistake. Make no mistake. Persecution is coming to this country. Make no mistake. If, if you hold on to this word, it is going to come against us. I'll, I'll show that to you in a few moments. Think about this. Billy Graham said it like this, that persecution is one of the natural consequences, I love this, of living the Christian life. It is to the Christian what growing pains are to the growing child. Get this. No pain, no development. No suffering, no glory. No struggle, no victory, no persecution, no reward. I thank God that there are better days coming, that God is going to be with his children today. So let me tell you, about a victory and a reward that is happening in a spot on this planet that I believe one day I'm going to read their, this country on that, on that prompter. I believe it's coming. This week I was, with, I was at a board meeting with World Challenge, which is kind of a global, the global ministry started by David Wilkerson even before Times Square Church and is now being led by Gary Wilkerson, who, by the way, will be speaking Gary Wilkerson David Wilkerson's son will be speaking this Tuesday night here at the church, so I want to invite you to be there. But while at that board meeting, I found out, get ready for this, I found out what is now the fastest growing church in the world. Okay, I, want, I, I, I could not believe it. The fastest growing church in the world is under massive persecution, and it's growing exponentially. You ready for this? Iran. The church in Iran is bursting. Folks, I, can we just stop for a moment and pray for those believers in Iran? Father, we stand right now with your believers, with your people. We pray, encourage them today in Jesus' name. This church on 51st and Broadway prays 
for our brothers and our sisters that are meeting right now in secret. We pray protection and we pray, God, that you would continue anointing. Father, they are in Iran, but hallelujah, they are in Christ. So God bless them today in Jesus' name. I, I am presently reading, you ready for this? I'm reading this book that, he, that, the, that the missions director told me to get. It's called Too Many for Jail. That's the name of the book, Too Many for Jail. Folks, the title means that there are so many Christians in Iran that they can't put them in jail anymore because there's not enough jail space for those that are getting saved. I'm reading the book right now. It's amazing. I'm rejoicing. Think about this. One of the most closed countries in the world is exploding. Here it comes. In house churches. The last, one of the last presidents of Iran, I quote him, said this, I will stop Christianity in Iran. The church in the last couple of years has grown 200%. This says it's growing 30% even is, the, is now considered, you ready for this? The fastest growing church in the world. Don't miss what I'm about to say. It is the fastest growing church in the world and there's no church buildings in Iran because you don't need a building to be the church of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, look at me, folks. Those online, look at me. There is coming a day that these doors will be chained. There is coming a day they will chain these doors, but they won't stop the power of the church of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. The estimate now in this country, with the 20 years ago, they said there were 500 believers. Now they're saying there's well over a million believers. And this is what they say. These are the reports that I received even personally, they said now they're finding out from boots on the ground that one out of every two people that you minister to on the streets become born again. One out of every two. You open up your mouth, God does something amazing. This is what I've learned, folks. Jot this down. The world has never persecuted a casual Christian. Persecution goes after the real thing. If you, if you are casual, you're out of the crosshairs. If you're going to live for Jesus, you better get ready. If you're going to walk with Jesus, let me just tell you this. I'm, I'm going to, I want to walk with Jesus all the way. I'm, I'm going to tell you that right now. And folks, that's what God is doing. So part three of Acts 1-8, so he fulfills it. Day of Pentecost, day of Pentecost, spirit falls, Jerusalem is reached with the gospel. Persecution comes, and all of a sudden, Judea and Samaria now receive the gospel. Now the third part, is about to be fulfilled. Acts 1-8 was being fulfilled in Acts 16, which was going to be the uttermost parts of the earth. And that was going to start with a man hearing three no's. It was going to come from somebody hearing the voice of God, hearing the voice of a father saying, I don't want you to do this. And if Paul doesn't listen to God and stays with, don't miss this, with what's comfortable, because God was already moving in Asia. But God's going, I've got a third part of this that I've got to expand. And this is what began to take place because it was so much easier to stay in Asia, but God had something bigger in mind. God is a father and fathers say no. And when he does say no, it's for something bigger and better that he has. And keep that in mind, bigger and better. And the final thing that I want to say today is this, better doesn't mean easier.
It doesn't mean easier. This is why, get this now, this is why it's not easier. From one of the men that have influenced my life, Leonard Ravenhill said it like this, when God opens up the windows of heaven to bless us, Satan will open up the bowels of hell to blast us. Let me say that again. When God opens up the windows of heaven to bless us, Satan simultaneously will open up the bowels of hell to blast us. Paul has the windows of heaven open up in Europe, and then hell unleashes its fury. Heaven opens. Think about this, church. Salvation and deliverance come immediately when Paul lands in Macedonia. Because you have to understand something. This is the third part of what God wants to do. So when God opens this door up with Macedonia, this is what was taking place. God was going, I've got to send the church into Europe. I've got to get the gospel into Europe to start the church in Europe so it would begin to expand even from that standpoint. Acts 16, listen, Acts 16, we welcomed. I, I, didn't, I just thought of this right now. Can I, can I just pause for a second? This, it just hit me. Do you know one of the countries that are watching us today is Macedonia. I just, I, I'm going like, wait a second. We welcome Macedonia. Thank God for you today. We are here, Macedonia, because the gospel came to your country. I just thought about this. I'm preaching and I'm going, the very place we're preaching about is watching us online. Can we say welcome to Macedonia today and thank God for them? receiving the gospel. Heaven opens salvation and deliverance. So the first convert of Europe is Lydia. Lydia gets saved and her whole household. But here comes this. Then a demon girl gets saved. A spirit of divination. I have to, I have to just speak to this for a second. And all hell comes against them when this demon... Why not Lydia? Why the demon girl? And I kept thinking about this. Why is the town upset because the demon girl is set free? Folks, this is what they said. They're preaching things that is not the custom of our city. They're saying stuff that's upsetting the natural order. Let's listen. I'm, I'm in a battle mode today. Let's just do it. Here we go. I'm telling you, it has happened to me, not to this level. But when I have told the stories and the testimonies of people being set free, that when God has set people free from sexual lifestyles, homosexuality and lesbianism, gender confusion, the whole city turns against you. We will get emails. We will get people. People will stand. I want you to listen, and I want you to listen carefully. Because when people start getting delivered, the city will get in upheaval. Because you're upsetting the customs and the manners that people have got. And it says that they threw them. You ready for this? It said they threw them in jail when they started to do this. Folks, I'm telling you, it's coming. Because they're going to try to silence the church. It says, that, and listen, I've gotten attacked by this. That has said, when I've told the story about how somebody got delivered from, from sexual sin, they looked at me and says, who are you to say that they were supposed? That's what the city was doing to Paul. And folks, I'm telling you in the church that if we don't preach that God can deliver from chains and brokenness, that folks, they're going to look and go, it's impossible. How can you say that? I can say it because of the gospel of Jesus Christ today. That's why we say it. 
That's why it's preached. Listen, we're not against any group. We just want people to walk in the freedom of Christ. That's what we want. Freedom of Christ. Listen to me. Let let me just tell you, folks, this this doesn't bother me. I love this because what God's going to do is set people free today. God is going to deliver people today. We're in a battle. And folks, I thank God he is going to liberate men and women, students today. And it doesn't matter what the customs of society is. We believe in the God of the Bible that can set people free today. And the deliverance that you thought should have brought celebration becomes a jail cell. The deliverance that the city should have rejoiced in now becomes a jail sentence. You would think they would applaud, but instead they persecuted them. He's jailed for a young lady's deliverance. Um, I am second... 2 Samuel 3.39, I am weak. This, this, in these last few days, I am weak like David, but I know I'm anointed. I know it. And so there's moments that I needed words of encouragement. Um, Proverbs 12.20, Proverbs 25.25 says this, like cold water, to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. And today, I, or yesterday, I came into the office and I want to say thank you to one of, our, one of our members and one of the people that are watching online from Ireland sent me and, I'm, and I just I showed it to Cindy and I just kept it and I just go, thank God for this. It was, it truly was cold water from a distant land for me. It was cold water. Said we've been watching TSC online. I've been felt the Holy Spirit asking me to encourage you. I, I received this like it was an epistle. I just I was so thankful for it. Said I've been to encourage you and to pray for peace and strength for you. Then they, they write this: God has you exactly where you're supposed to be. And said, for God has you in the palm of His hands. And she said, God is urging me to remind you that you are about to face difficulties, thank you, <laughs> trials and tribulations. I was about this time, I was about to go, what? <laughs> and she says, remember, he's not testing you, Tim. He's using these moments to draw you close to him. I was strongly felt by the Holy Spirit to write this scripture to you that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, but God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted above and beyond your ability. I love this, but with that temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Hallelujah. They said, God is saying to you, remember to lean on me. And I especially pray that you would know that God is with you and God is for you. It was, it was, it was cold water. It was cold water from a distant land. That distant land being Ireland. We just say thank you. Paul is in jail for doing the right thing. And there's no letter from Ireland to him. So God showed up at midnight for him. 
And at midnight, foundations were shaken. Doors were opened and chains fell off. Let me say this again. At midnight, while they're praying and singing hymns of praise to God, foundations were shaken. Don't miss these next two parts. Doors were opened and chains fell off. Doors were opened and chains fell off. Now folks, get ready for bad math and the third no. Remember, no to Bithynia, no to Galatian region. Okay, here it comes. The cell doors are open and they stayed. The cell doors opened up and they didn't leave. Folks, when I stood back, I'm going, oh my God. Because can I just tell you, if the story was not about Paul and Silas, but Paul and Pastor Tim, and those doors opened up, this would have been the next verse. Jehovah Jireh. I'm out. I would have said, I would have said, Paul, we've got pressing. Acts 12, angel showed up, Pete got Peter out. I've got scripture. I've got loose chains. I've got an open door. This must be Jesus. Come on, folks. You got to be honest. How many would have left with me? How many would have left with me? Okay. I'm gone. And Acts 16 would have been over. And, and who knows? Maybe this church wouldn't have existed because there wouldn't have been no church in Europe. But here's, here it comes now. You ready? Get this down. Here is bad math. It's the third no. It's the bad math equation. And I need you to get this down. Here it comes. A tough season plus an open door doesn't always equal God's will. Let me say that again. Keep that on the screen. A tough season and a door opened up doesn't mean God's open. God is telling me to go. This, this is a big deal because the door is a, you just got beaten in prison. You're in the inner prison. You got beaten for doing what was right. Now the chains fall off. The doors open up and you stay. Lord, help us. Think of this for a moment. Let me explain it to you like this. When was Jesus's hardest moment on earth? When did Jesus feel furthest from God on the cross. Remember what he said? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now get this, here it comes. When Jesus felt furthest from God, he was in the center of God's will, redeeming the planet back to himself. Just because he didn't feel God doesn't mean he wasn't in the place God wanted him to be. That God was saying, I'm redeeming the planet. And Jesus is going, where are you, God? And God goes, I'm right here with you, but you don't feel it right now. Hard does not mean that this is not where God wants you. Or this is what I always say, get this down. This is a language I use all the time. Difficulty is not directional. Difficulty. You don't look at something and go, oh, it's hard. God must be moving me on. Oh, stop. No, no. We're not led by difficulty. We're led by the word of God. We're led by the Holy Spirit. 
Because if you're just, he, the, the, this is so important to understand. Difficulty is not directional because God could do something in the most trying times for us. As God was about to explode the church in Europe, he was about to do something there. And if Paul would have just walked out with Silas, we missed something. God was doing something. He's doing something, balcony. Listen, I was reading um, one of Frank Borum's books, one of the great preachers from New Zealand, and he wrote this. It's an old book. He was writing about the great British scientist Alfred Russell Wallace and his experiment with a, the emperor butterfly in its cocoon. Listen to this. He said, scientist Alfred Russell Wallace came upon the, the creature that was in his lab coming to the place where it's wings and it's trying to get through the narrow, the narrow hole of the cocoon. It's trying to get through. And it said that Wallace watched it try to struggle to get the, to get its wings out. And he says, he thought to himself, these are the words he wrote, what a pity that so handsome of a creature should be subjected to so severe of an ordeal, his words. So therefore, he took out a lancet, a little knife, and made the opening bigger. And he said immediately, that butterfly came right out of the cocoon, that though it came out, its glorious colors never developed, the wings never expanded. He said it crept moodily about, drooped perceptibly, and it died quickly. And he said it because of this, the struggle when it's trying to come out gets the mucus off the wings that as it's struggling, if there's no struggle, it can't fly because it can't fly with the mucus on its wing. The mucus hardens and its life is over. The intention of that butterfly is over. That when the hole is cut bigger and you try to create your own way of escape, you lose the ability to fly. That all of a sudden you forget even that what, what it says, get this verse down. This is so important. Proverbs 20, 30. Blows that hurt. Put it on the screen. Blows that hurt cleanse away evil. And as do stripes the inner depths of the hearts. That what seems to be difficult is beginning. Look at this, folks. What, it, what, looks, to, what looks to be hurting us is literally cleansing us. What seems to be coming against us is starting to remove the mucus off the wings. Difficulty is not directional. Difficulty may be getting the junk off our wings. And I just kept thinking about how many times I am tempted to abort mission. How many times I'm tempted to find a, a bigger hole to get the way out and not realizing that God in my difficulty was scraping the junk off of me so I could be what God has called me to be and what you have been called to be. That's why I'm speaking. Listen, for a moment, let me pause for pastors and leaders that feel that the hole is too constricted, that the church can't support me, the city is fighting us, or the church members are fighting me. We don't have enough of resources. I'm telling you what seems to be a struggle may be a cleansing that's going on in your life and in your leadership, that God is scouring away some things. Think about this. Paul realized it. Paul realized it. No, no, no. When the doors opened up, that was the cocoon hole too wide. Let me just stay put. And what's crazy is, let me just throw this in there. What got me was, 
It said, Paul says, we're all here, which meant none of those prisoners left. I'm going, what in the world was going on that even the convicts stay there? Paul realized it's hard, but we're in God's will. This is to be the first church in Europe. And I have this crazy thought that Paul is thinking, wait, we have Lydia and we have the delivered demon girl. So we're starting a church. Lydia, the seller of purple. She's in charge of the greeters. Everybody's in purple. Put all of them in purple. Demon girl. Children's ministry. We need experience. But I could see him going and saying this. But I need a deacon. I need an elder. And I could see him looking over at that jailer and going, you're going to be my first deacon in that church. I want you to listen to me. If Paul leaves, the jailer dies. If Paul leaves, the jailer dies. It's the custom. If you lose a prisoner on your watch, they kill you. So what was going to happen was, is the man was going to kill himself before the Roman guards got to him. So if you lose the prisoner, and that's when Paul goes, we're all here. And then the Bible says, they all go to the jailer's house and his entire household gets saved. The entire household gets saved. It's that great verse in Acts 16 where he says, in, he says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved and your household. You get that because Paul stayed. And folks, I want to give you a side note here. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit on this. I really do. Let me say this. When you stay, when you really want to get out, here's what's amazing. It's sometimes that the one who caused the wounds is part of the healing of the wounds. Here it is, 1633, and he took them, the, 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 the jailer, he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized and his whole household. Do you know who washed Paul's wounds? Is the man who put him there. The man who put the wounds on Paul is now the man that are wiping them because of what God, because he stayed. He stayed. If Paul leaves, if Paul leaves, you don't get verses like this. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can't use that verse because it doesn't, because that verse, because that verse was for the new Philippian church. If Paul leaves, you can't say, for I'm confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in me will perfect it until the day of Christ. Because that, that wouldn't have been for you, because there would have been no Philippian church. If Paul leaves, you can't say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If Paul leaves and the cocoon is cut open and walks out, you can't say, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is. These are all Philippian verses. If Paul leaves, you don't get forgetting what lies behind, reaching for what's forward. I press on to the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And if Paul leaves, you can't say, be anxious for nothing, 
but in everything by prayer and supplication make your requests known to God and the God of peace who surpasses all comprehension will guard your minds and your heart. Thank God he stayed. Thank God he didn't get out. Thank God he didn't look for a way to get out and said, it may be difficult, but I'm doing what God wants me to do. Don't cut open a hole. I need junk off these wings. I need to go where God wants me to go, but I can't go with mucus on this. I need to be set free today. Bad math, tough season, open door doesn't always mean that God is asking you to go. And some of you are looking at me now. Some of you are listening online. And here's where we close. I want you to stand with me. Everybody stand together. I preached way long. Nah, no apologies. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did it. No apologies. While people are looking for a way out, a way out of Christianity, a way out of marriage, a way out of church. Folks, listen, I know this is a hot topic. Some are looking for a way out of a pregnancy. Some are even listening to me and you're looking for a way out of life. And I'm telling you, stay put. God has something for you today. God has something for you today. And I want to talk balcony, main floor, those that are watching online, everything in you. Listen, right now as we pause and stop here, Everything in you is going to go, okay, let's go, let's go. I'm telling you, here it is. Stay put, because God wants to minister to you right now. Let him minister to you, Balcony. Let him, let him minister to you. Those in Zimbabwe, let him minister to you. Those in Barbados that are watching with us, those in South Sudan, and those in Macedonia, let him minister to you right now. And some of you are in a spot that you're going Oh God, please, I need strength. I need strength to stay. Can I tell you the good news of it? Paul didn't do it alone. Look, look at me for a second. You know what I love? When they were singing praise and hymns at night, here's the good news. It wasn't a solo. It was a duet. He wasn't by himself. It was Paul and Silas singing this. I can't do this by myself. That's why we're talking about Joining a connect group that's going like, I need people to sing with me at midnight when everything is going wrong. I need a duet. It's hard to sing a solo in tough times. I need a duet. I'm so thankful for these elders. I'm so thankful for these pastors. Let me just tell you something. This, when I need a song, we sing the song together in prison. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.